0: You've probably heard that time-honored advice when giving a speech. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them. On today's show, why that's lousy advice and how you can do better. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 126. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave stahoviak This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. And today, an examination on how to be interesting when pitching an idea. And I come to you as someone who has been boring at many times in my life, pitching an idea or making a speech. And I am hopeful that I can give you something through my experience of coaching and training folks over the years and watching presenters that will be helpful in helping you get your message across and help people take action and for you to be interesting as a presenter. And as I think back to speeches that I've given that have been less than stellar, one of them was the very first speech I ever gave at a Toastmasters club. Toastmasters is this wonderful worldwide organization that is a nonprofit and goes out in the world and has all of these clubs all over the place for people who want to get better as communicators and in particularly giving presentations. And I heard about Toastmasters when I first moved to California, gosh, 14, 15 years ago, and decided that that was something I needed at that time in my life and in my career to get better at speaking. And I was right. I did need it. (laughs) And I showed up for my first Toastmasters meeting, and at the time, I don't know about currently, but at the time, the first assignment in giving a Toastmasters talk, your very first presentation, was to give an introductory speech. It was to tell the audience something about you and your past and your present and a little bit about your future. And the goal, of course, was to introduce yourself to your fellow club members. And I believe that it was about a five-minute speech it was supposed to be. Well, I did everything I could to prepare a decent speech, and I did my best to try and make it as simple as possible for myself. And so I thought the easiest way to do that would be to uh, compare and contrast where I had just moved from, the Midwest, Illinois and California, where I was now currently living. And I gave this okay speech on the differences between Illinois and California in order to introduce myself to the audience. And I remember after I sat down, the person who was more experienced than I was who got up to evaluate my speech, which is something they always do in Toastmasters, uh, got up and uh, was very kind, as they always are when you give your first speech at Toastmasters, Um, But at the end of the evaluation said, it would have been nice if you had said more about you. And of course, I realized afterwards that I missed a big part of that the goal of that presentation, which is I didn't say that much about me. And the reason I didn't is because that was a lot harder. It was much easier for me just to talk about something else. It was not so easy for me to talk about something that was really close to me, which was me. And so I learned very early on in my Toastmasters career, but also in my speaking, that I needed to change my attitude, an attitude that a lot of us as presenters and leaders never really change, which is I needed to change my attitude from being a presenter for me and doing what was easy for me to being a presenter that was doing things that were going to be a value to my audience. Now, since then, I've coached hundreds and hundreds of people over the years. I've been very, very fortunate to work as a Dale Carnegie instructor, to work as a coach, to help people to improve their communication skills. And I am not exaggerating in the slightest to say that I have watched hundreds, actually thousands of presentations in not just seen as an audience member, but in a professional capacity over the last 10 years as a coach and as a presentation coach of helping people to become more effective at honing their message. And as we all tend to do in this industry, as we've seen many of these presentations over the years, is we talk about them and we learn from uh, ourselves, we learn from our clients, we learn what works and what doesn't work. And I remember a few years ago, I was sitting with a colleague and we were talking about the presentation advice that people get. And one of the most common uh, lines that I hear is when, and from, from people who are coaching new presenters or people who are giving a speech for the first time. Uh, or people who are new to speaking is they'll either hear this or they'll pass along this wisdom. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and tell them what you told them. And what that means is uh, tell people first what it is you're going to say, give them an outline, uh, then actually go through the outline, and then at the very end, review the outline and tell them exactly what it is that you told them. And my colleague and I were sitting and I was uh, sitting talking about this particular advice. And I remember he said to me, he said, you know, I think that's really pretty lousy advice to give to people. And I thought this kind of the same thing. I was like, I never heard anyone say that, but you know, I've never really latched onto that advice, but I couldn't articulate why. And he articulated it beautifully though. He said, you know what, when people do that, they kind of give an okay presentation, but it just really isn't that interesting to listen to. And as soon as he said that, I thought to myself, that's it exactly. And I've seen a lot of presentations. I have seen a few presentations over the years that have been truly exceptional, have uh, left me uh, wanting to take action of really walking out of the room, thinking something different, wanting to do something different with my life or with my career or taking action with that person's service or product or whatever it was. And I've also seen a handful of presentations over the years that were truly awful, (laughs) really pretty bad, not a lot, but a few, uh, that I walked out of the room shaking my head. Uh, Thankfully, it's actually rarely been in coaching situations. It's more often been just as an audience member and shaking my head and wondering what on earth the person thought when they got up in front of the audience. But the vast majority of presentations I've seen over the years have fallen into that murky middle zone, which is the presenter sat down and the presentation was fine. And it was fine because they did what they needed to do. They said what they were going to say. They said it and then they summarized and they had some good structure to it and they provided all the information that they needed to provide but it just didn't quite kind of it didn't quite get me wanting to jump out of the room and do something different you know i think back to when i was a kid i remember um when i was a, a child watching the state of the union addresses with my dad and we would sit and i remember watching ronald reagan Give the State of the Union address when I was a kid, and asking my dad, you know, what was you know what's this about? What's you know why does the president get up and give a speech? And uh, you know, I used to always watch that speech every year. It Didn't matter who the president was or what political party they were. I always felt that as a as a as a, a voter, as a citizen, that it was my responsibility to watch the president give the State of the Union address every year. And this is a tradition here in the states for those of you who are abroad, that our president gets up in front of Congress every year and gives a about an hour presentation speech really about the state of the country and how things are going. And, you know, I always watched it because I felt like I should. And, you know, I just haven't watched it the last couple of years, including the most recent one this past week. And because I realized after a while, they all kind of sounded the same. It was two minutes on this and Five minutes on this, and eight minutes on this, and six minutes on this, and lots of little calls to action along the way. But no real central unifying message uh, from many of the recent State of the Unions uh, from both political parties over the last 10, 15, even 20 years. And I I heard some commentary this week on the past State of the Union Address that said, uh, nothing specifically critical about uh, this president, but of of all the presidents, wouldn't it be interesting if a president got up one year in America and gave a a speech that was truly had a powerful call to action and a message? that had focused on a central theme and truly inspired people and called people to action and raised a central point that the country could focus on. Wouldn't that be amazing? And and of course, the president can do that because uh, they're not bound (laughs) by uh, the law to do a lot of things with the State of the Union. They don't even have to give the speech. Uh, There's so much opportunity for creativity, and yet we tend to float in mediocrity in a lot of the presentations we hear the political ones the business ones and it's not where we want to be if we're giving our message and and one of the things that gets us in trouble is we subscribe to this notion of let's just uh, su- you know let's just overview what it is we're going to say Let's say it in order in all the bullet points, and then let's summarize it at the end. And PowerPoint has only made this worse for all of us and all the other visual display methodologies out there, because now not only do we do that, but we just read to our audiences in many places and in many organizations. So today, what can you do differently? Instead of those three things, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them, uh, I challenge all of us that we can do better than that. So first of all, uh, one caveat, you know, we give speeches for a lot of different reasons. And this show is about giving a talk when you're trying to pitch an idea, get someone to do something, which as leaders, we are often trying to do. We are trying to make the case for why the current scenario isn't working, what needs to be different, and we want to motivate our audiences to take action, whether that audience is. One-on-one, a small room, a board, uh, a large group of uh, a team, or maybe even multiple teams. Uh, Some of us who listen in this community are even leading large organizations. And so we need to be able to bring that message and to do it in a way that not only gets the message across, but does it in a way that isn't boring. And so today I'm looking at four great speeches four very different speeches that uh, share a commonality of three things that all of us can do That will help get our message across more effectively now i i have to tell you these four speeches are very 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 different given by very different people and definitely varied in their level and of importance as far as how they've contributed to humanity as a whole they all have but in very different ways and in very different levels um but i've picked these four a speech first of all that honors the dead a speech about civil rights a speech about a product launch, and a speech about the human personality. Very, very different topics, but all four of them with the intention to pitch a new idea, to get a message across, and to get their audiences to take action. And so um, my lumping these four speeches together isn't necessarily um, to send the message that all four of these are equal in importance or that all four of the speakers are Um, you know, equally important to history by any means. Um, In fact, I've done my best to try to pick four speeches here that are very different in their importance, in their topic, in their message, but to show how even as different as they are, these four speeches are in many ways very much the same on three things that they do very, very well. First of all, a speech that everyone's familiar with, the Gettysburg Address. Now, imagine Abraham Lincoln had gotten up and decided to take this advice. Uh, Tell him what you're going to tell him. And it started off the Gettysburg Address by saying, I'm going to start off by talking about the current situation in the country. Then I'm going to paint a picture of how people will see this moment years from now. And then at the end, I'm going to give a call to action on what we should do going forward. I assure you, if Abraham Lincoln had started off the speech that way, uh, like that advice, tell him what you're going to tell him first that nobody would have ever memorized that speech in elementary school, as so many people did. The second speech uh, on civil rights from Martin Luther King Jr., uh, the I Have a Dream speech. Imagine that at the end of I Have a Dream, that Martin Luther King, when he said, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And then said, in summary, what I've talked about today is, of course not. Of course not. How could you end that speech with anything but the way King ended that speech so beautifully and so majestically? A speech in a very, very different category, but one that has gotten a tremendous amount of analysis and traction over the years for its business brilliance, Steve Jobs, in 2007, introducing the iPhone. Now imagine if he had started off the speech. Tell him what you're going to tell him. Today I'm here to introduce the iPhone, the new multi-touch interface. Provide you with a number of demos of how it'll look. Lots of demos, by the way. And then tell you why you should buy it. Of course he didn't. The first line that Steve Jobs said when he got up on stage was, this is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. And finally, a speech, again, very, very different from these other three, a speech about the human personality by a past guest on this podcast, Susan Cain. Susan Cain gave a fantastic speech at a TED conference uh, a few years ago about the power of introverts, focused on her book that came out around that time. And this particular talk I've picked because not only was Susan a past guest on this show, but TED Talks are extremely popular for featuring amazing presenters. And this talk in particular has had 7 million views online. That's a lot of people watching this message. Uh, Imagine if when she had gotten up to speak, she started off and said, today I'm going to tell you several stories that will show how our current culture doesn't always recognize and value introverts, Uh, describe a better ideal, and at the end, I'll give you three calls to action. Eh, it would have been okay, but it wouldn't nearly have had the power of the way that she actually did start that presentation. So those four talks, very different, but all share these three commonalities. And here's the first one. They tell a story of a problem and that is my challenge for you as well is when you are pitching a new idea it is not enough to walk into the room and to say here's my new idea and here's why i think you should do it (laughs) if only it was that easy but we really need to first sell the audience and i do mean sell. we need to sell our audience on why the status quo is no longer acceptable All four of these talks did this in their own way, in their own unique way, but very brilliantly. Abraham Lincoln talked about the current troubles of the country and the current state of the Civil War and did it dramatically and detailed and amazingly with great conciseness. Martin Luther King told a story of the problem. He told about what was currently going on in the country. Spoke about the plight of the African American population in the country and particularly in the South. Steve Jobs, in this very different talk, yet talked about all the issues with the so called smartphones that were on the market at the time and all the things they were incapable of doing and the inferior software and the poor user experience and the complexity that you had to use to use a phone. And Susan Kane told a story at the beginning. She didn't say, uh, she didn't say here's what I'm going to tell you. She talked about a story of when she was a kid and went to summer camp and how that summer camp didn't honor her strengths, her preferences, and her personality. And it was a story that captured my attention, but because, boy, could I relate to it because it reminded me exactly of camps that I went to when I was a kid. The best speakers don't start off with an outline at the beginning of what they're going to say. Uh, They don't go through the details of that outline step by step, and they don't uh, summarize the outline at the end. Uh, They will sometimes do aspects of that. But what they really begin their message with is they tell the story of the problem. Sometimes they tell the story as they go all the way along. Uh, Sometimes they just tell it at the beginning, but they have a story that personally connects with them, that articulates the problem, and that shows why the current situation is no longer sustainable or okay or acceptable. And all four of those speakers did that in their own way and did it very beautifully. If we as presenters, as leaders, can articulate clearly what is the problem, if we can show that through a story, through a demonstration, through a visual, then we capture our audience's attention and they say, yes. Yes, that's a problem. Yes, I understand where you're coming from. Yes, that's me too. Secondly, All four of these speeches and many other beautiful speeches I've heard over the years articulate a vision for the future and articulate a beautiful vision. Abraham Lincoln talked in the Gettysburg Address about the meaning of the moment in that time at Gettysburg and what it was going to mean for the future. King did this uh, perhaps most obviously, but beautifully, by saying, I have a dream, and repeating it again and again and again throughout his speech and articulating exactly what the country would look like when his dream was achieved. Steve Jobs showed exactly what could be done on a smart device. I saw an article recently um, talking about the introduction of the iPhone, and how an executive from one of the other major cell phone companies at the time was on his way to a meeting in a car and heard about the presentation. And literally in that moment, they made a decision to stop an entire product launch because they realized how Steve Jobs had changed instantly the entire face of the market. He showed exactly what could be done on a smart device and articulated a vision for exactly what it would look like going forward. He started off that presentation and said, today's the day I've looked forward to. Beautiful vision. Susan Cain did this amazingly and spoke of the life of her grandfather, who was a rabbi, and. Of the life he lived and how he had a strong preference for introversion and yet how he lived a life in such an amazing way that was tuned to his strengths and his talents that when he passed away in his 90s they had to close all the streets to accommodate the crowds of people that showed up articulated all of them this beautiful vision of the future and that is such a key component of leading effectively of Being able to have that vision of what the future looks like, of being able to dialogue with people about what their future looks like and to be able to put those pieces together and articulate that grand vision. All four of those speakers did that, again, in very different ways and at varying different levels of importance. Um, And because they were able to do that, their message was interesting. It was exciting. All four of these audiences, by, uh, by all accounts, were very, very engaged in the presentation that the speaker gave. And then finally, all four of these speakers and so many more throughout history that have had wonderful talks inspired action. inspired action of what they wanted their audiences to do. Lincoln said, let these people not die in vain. That's not an exact quote, by the way, but that was his message. Let them not die in vain. King said so many times throughout the talk, go back. (laughs) Go back to this state. Go back to that state. And then he said, knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed, let us not wallow in the valley of Of despair, isn't that a great call to action? Steve Jobs finished his presentation and introduction of the iPhone with a quote from all people of Wayne Gretzky. He said, "I skate." uh, Wayne Gretzky said, "I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been." And Jobs finished the presentation by saying, "That is what Apple is going to do with the iPhone." He didn't even say, "Go out and buy it." He couldn't at the time. It wasn't on sale yet, of course, but, uh, but he didn't have to. He set the grand vision for what Apple was going to do, what the people involved were going to be doing, and what, how they were going to affect the industry. Susan Kane at the end of her talk, gave three specific calls for action that she wanted everyone to take and articulated them clearly, concisely, and asked everyone to make a commitment to take one. Four different speeches... Four completely different reasons, four completely different people. A few that will be remembered throughout history, and a few that probably won't. But three commonalities to all four of these talks. A story of a problem, a vision of the future, and an inspiration to take action. So what can you do? Well, first of all, incorporate these three into your presentation, when you are pitching an idea, have you accurately described and told the story about what the problem is? Have you started that way? Have you framed exactly what is wrong with the current reality, with the current situation? And then, secondly, have you articulated the vision for the future? Have you made it clear? Have you shown people visually, verbally, through emotion exactly what things will look like when you get there when they get there when you all get there together and finally have you inspired people to take action not just logically not just because it's the third bullet point or because it's the summary slide but have you inspired people to do something not just because they can do it but because you've captured their emotions and they want to take action. So what else can you do? Well, I have a few suggestions for you. Three books that I'd certainly suggest checking out. Uh, One of them is Dale Carnegie's book, The Quick and Easy Way to Effective Speaking. It's a quick read. You can read it in a couple hours, actually. Uh, But it provides such a simple and profound framework on how to speak effectively. Now, of course, you'll want to still get in front of people in addition to just reading a book. but it is a great starting point that will really get you in the right mindset of what you can do to get a message across well. Uh, Secondly, I would recommend a book called Resonate by Nancy Duarte. She is uh, the uh, author also of the book Slideology. In the book Resonate, she actually examines a couple of the talks I've mentioned here today and does it and shows it visually and how Uh, how it transforms audiences. And she goes into crazy kinds of analysis on these talks. It's really quite amazing. It's a wonderful book. And if you give any kind of presentations on a regular basis, you have to know who Nancy Duarte is. I also recommend her book, Slideology. And then finally, you know, another uh, book just to show how how uh, really these three things come across in so many different aspects of, uh, of life and, and business and influencing people is the book Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. And that's a four-step you know, four model on how to sell. And of course, selling is being able to influence others effectively. And uh, he will go through and walk you through the framework of how to sell effectively. And guess what? These three things are going to show up as well. Telling the story of the problem articulating the vision in the future and inspiring action. You'll see those in the spin model uh, come out pretty strongly. But the question really is, is do you care about the audience? Because if your goal is to just uh, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them, that is easy for the presenter. That's an easy uh, system to use. It's an easy framework, and you will have a fine talk most likely if you use it. But if you really care genuinely about your audience and want to really connect with them and really want to get them to walk out taking action, then I would challenge you to do something different. You know, it it is not enough just to have the right information. When I was in college, I took a class in business law, and it was one of these classes that there were three or four or 500 people in the class. And so every week we would go to see the professor in this large lecture hall, give this hour-long lecture about all the material uh, that week in the class. And then once a week we'd also have, or maybe it was twice a week, a meeting with a graduate assistant, a graduate student, who would essentially um, you know, do all our grading of papers and do the discussion questions for the class. And that was a meeting of about 20 or 30 people. And I remember so clearly the very first meeting we had with the graduate instructor in the class. And he, uh, we got in the room, he closed the door, the very first class of the term, and he said, I want you to know up front before you start this class that the professor hates you. And we all kind of looked and did he say what we just thought he said? Sure enough, he said, yes, the professor hates you. He, he doesn't like working with students at all. He's not here at this university to, uh, to teach. He loves research. He loves business law. That's his thing. But he does not like working with students. So my advice for you is that if you want to do well in this class is stick with me Pose your questions to me, and I will help you to do well in this course. And man, let me tell you, he was right. Not only did the professor never interact with a student that I could tell, but that guy was one of the best instructors I ever had throughout my entire college experience. But here was the thing about the professor. That professor knew the law inside and out. He was excited about the law. You could tell when you heard him speak about the law. He knew it well. He was excited about it. He loved to research it. He had thought about it a ton. But he didn't care much for his audience. He didn't really care that much if students got the message that he was intending to send. And so it was all about him as the presenter. And my hope for all of us, all of us in the Coaching for Leaders community, is that we would move away, and I say this as someone who has made this mistake many times and seen many presenters make make this mistake many times, that we would move away from thinking about what's best for me as the presenter. And what is it that's going to be best for my audience? And if you're pitching an idea... I know three of those components are going to be to tell the story of the problem, talk about the vision for the future, and inspire them to take action. So my question for you today is, what have you seen a presenter do that motivated you to take action? I hope you'll answer that question, and the best way to do that is to go on the show notes for this episode, scroll to the bottom, and put a comment up on the show notes, and you can get there at coachingforleaders.com 126. That'll take you right to the page. Or if you're on the weekly update, you will get it on Wednesday and there will be a link right there to answer that question. You can click on it and join the conversation. I would love to know what else, in addition to these three things you've seen presenters do that's wanted, made you want to get up, jump out of the chair and say, hey, I am willing to at least try what this person has suggested. Now, before I let you go this week, I do have one question from one of our community members uh, that didn't quite make it into the Q and A show. And just a reminder, it is never too late to send in a question. If you have a question or comment on anything related to this show, on uh, how to become a more effective leader through your personal productivity, through your communication, and through your human relations, you're always welcome to submit it, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. So here's a question from
1: Duke. Hi, Dave. It's Duke from up here in Redmond. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I had a question that I know is late for the question podcast that I think got published this past Monday. Uh, and here's my question. Feel free to use it in the future as you see fit. My team's about to explode, moving from 8 FTEs and 1 vendor to 11 FTEs and 11 vendors. Uh, I'm nervous and aware that this will have less hours per person, if you will, uh, that I'll be able to dedicate or give to some of those folks and some of the existing team and some of the new folks. How can I properly set expectations for the new folks and reset some expectations with the existing folks? Uh, I'm really struggling with this to try and make sure I get off the ground right. Uh, and thus far, I've just tried to be upfront with everybody to try and align expectations. But I want to be a good leader for everybody in the team at large. Any advice or thoughts would be most welcome. Thanks. And hopefully Baby Watch is either concluding or things are going smooth in that direction. All the best, Dave. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
0: Hey, Duke, thank you so much for the question. Baby Watch is going to end sometime in the next week, for sure, one way or the other. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday, February 2nd. And as of now, no news. So uh, there will uh, definitely be some news coming. So stay tuned. Hey, Duke, thank you so much for the question. And congratulations on the new responsibilities. I'm really excited to talk with you more about it. And uh, so, uh, Duke, I'm going to answer the question two ways. First of all, an answer for everyone else and then, Duke, my answer specifically for you. And I say that because uh, Duke and I have uh, met in person before. We've talked over the phone before, and we've exchanged email a whole lot since Duke's been listening to the show from the beginning. And so um, first uh, first uh, response for everyone else. And Duke, I say that because you already know all three of these things. Uh, but So maybe just reminders for you, but, uh, but good reminders for all of us. So we get in this situation where we've got New members of our team coming on. We've got a larger team. We've got more people we're going to influence. Uh, one of the things that constantly comes up anytime we've had a conversation on the show with anyone who is doing any management of teams or even virtual teams is spending more time up front. So that would be the first thing that I would suggest, Duke, is to um, be prepared at the beginning of the relationship and at the beginning of these new relationships with suppliers is be prepared to block out a lot of time on the front end and set the expectation with your team, with the suppliers, with the people that you are going to need to build strong connections with, that you are ready and willing to make that commitment. And so looking at your calendar and deciding and looking at the priorities of those relationships and being willing to clear out time that you might not normally clear out, but of starting the relationship in the right way. And, you know, in the medical profession, they always say, you know, an an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that's so true in relationships too. If we can start that relationship off on this on a strong footing, it is often going to mitigate or at least lessen a lot of problems down the road. So if we can spend more of that time up front, and be prepared to make a big investment on the front end, that is almost always going to result in better things down the road. So that's my first piece of advice. Secondly, is Duke, make a commitment you know you can keep, and specifically with the people closest to you, and looking at your time, your resources, and as you start prioritizing uh, those things is really be realistic with people. And if that means that someone may not see you for a week or a couple weeks or or that you may not have a conversation other than over email or by phone, of to do a little thinking about that now and to be realistic with people. Uh, one of the things I think that's really important is as leaders, we do the best job we can as possible of being realistic uh, of what kind of time that we'll have for people and, uh, and how we will be accessible. So if you can do some thinking on that up front, Duke, of how would people reach out to you? How will they connect with you? and then what kind of time do you think you'll have of let them know that. I think that's a really positive thing to do. And to the extent that that changes as you start doing it, and as you start taking on these new responsibilities, which of course it will, because you can't be perfect on predicting it, is to let people know how things are changing and how you're doing at meeting those commitments and where you need to change and adapt. And that constant communication, so important. And then third and finally, invest your time with your best people. I say this because this is something that the Gallup organization has done a ton of research on. We've talked about this on the show many times is that uh, many leaders in the face of having to handle a lot of relationships a lot of people tend to put their energy and time into the relationships that are not working as well and focus their time and energy on the underperformers and gallup has found again and again and many other studies have found since then that the best leaders out there tend to spend more of their time a lot more of their time with their best people They invest their time and resources in the people that are helping their organization be as effective as possible. So to the extent, Duke, that you have to drop some balls of really make sure that you're continuing to invest in your best people. I'm not saying ignore the people that aren't doing as effectively or that um, aren't uh, contributing as much to the organization by any means, but to invest most of your time with the best people, the best relationships, the folks that are going to be most critical to your success. And that's where your leadership will be most valuable. But Duke, those three things are really answers for everyone else. For you, Duke, you already know all those things. And so I think back to when I was in my early 20s. and I remember I was struggling at that time with a lot of my life path and meaning of my life and what I was going to do next and how I was going to utilize my time in the future. And I expressed this to someone. I, I wish I could remember who it was so I could give them credit, but I don't remember anymore uh, these many years later. But I remember a wise person in my life had listened to me talk about how I was so concerned about making sure I was on the right path and using my gifts well. And they finally said to me, uh, I think we had had a couple of conversations about it, and they finally said, I said, you know what? I don't know why you're worried about that because you think about this a lot. If anyone is going to be intentional about how they use their life, it's going to be you. And I don't worry about you in the slightest because you think about this all the time and you will use your life in a wonderful way. And I think about that story when I think about your question, Duke, because just by the virtue of the fact that you have interacted with me consistently since you've been listening to the show, that you called in this question, uh, that you were thinking about this now as your team is transitioning. Um, all For all of those reasons, I know that you are someone who is tremendously invested in people. You're always doing things to connect with people, to help people be more effective, to influence throughout your organization. And by that... By the very nature of who you are duke i know that you will just do an amazing job as a leader and yes you will make mistakes and yes you will have people that will be frustrated with you at times uh, but overall i know that you will navigate this transition well and so uh, what i would say to you is uh take take action on the things you already know and know that you will do great that you will make mistakes and you will seek the wise counsel as you always do when those situations happen but also know You are the person for the job, and they wouldn't have you there if you weren't the best person right now to be in that situation. So I look forward to hearing about what happens next. Keep me in the loop. Hey, a huge thank you this week to Brett Henney, Bob King, Mohanna H., Cliff Lynch, Huzefa Jamali, Tom O'Toole, Daniel Smith, Alice Lazare, Ben Hammond, Rob Clarity, I think is how to say it. (laughs) Sorry, Rob, for messing it up. Les Karpluk, Jody Rifkin, Julie Weinberg, Pablo Espinar, and Jose Marchand, who've subscribed to the weekly update this past week. Thank you all for subscribing. Uh, I publish an email each Wednesday that'll give you a booster shot between shows on how to lead better by giving you advice on your communication, human relations, or personal productivity. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox, Go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And you'll also get the show notes for this episode and all episodes going forward. So if that's something that would be a value to you, definitely hop on. And plus, you'll get instant access to my video overview and downloadable guide on 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. So definitely check that out. Hey, a huge thank you this week to Debbie and also to John Watts for the really kind written reviews you provided on iTunes. Debbie, John, thank you. I so appreciate that. It's just wonderful when people take a moment to write like you have. It really does help others find this show and find this community and utilize it as a resource. Thank you for doing that. If this show's been valuable to you as well, if you take a moment to write a written review either on iTunes or on Stitcher... Uh, I would be so grateful. You can do that by going to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher, if I can say that. Hey, those of you get the email this week, remember the question is, what have you seen a presenter do that motivated you to take action? Have a great week, everyone. Take care.